With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Survivor 46 is here and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast. And we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. Hey, you know what the place to go is? The Blake Street Tavern. I know you're listening to the BSM Buffs podcast, so you're a Buffs fan, and Buffs season is almost upon us. And you know what so that close. means? Uh, although they don't have a away game for over a month, when they do have an away game, this is or the place. Or even if not, if you can't make it to Boulder. Yeah, this is the place to be. Make it to Boulder. Yeah, I think even the owners of the Blake Street Tavern will tell you to make it to Boulder. But, hey, Blake Street Tavern, place to be. It's so much so the place to be that local celebrities, Jake Shapiro, Ryan Koningsberg, and Ali Monroy, frequent the Blake Street Tavern. In fact, are right here right now. Well, not here anymore because you're listening to There's this. There's a in the decent f- chance while you're listening to this. We're Probably. Here. We're pro- almost always here. That's true as it's well. It's definitely usually like twice a week, once a week. But twice, maybe even more. Twice of the Rockies more are in More importantly, $6 gigantic things of Coors and Coors Light two hours before, two hours after, and during Rockies games. I mean, I'm not saying get drunk or drink unresponsibly, but if you are too, our friends at the Blake Street Tavern will take care of you. I'm saying if you're not driving, drink unresponsibly. Get drunk. Text your exes. Oh, no. Tip of the week right there. You already you already took care of it. No. Make smart choices, people. This is the BSN Denver Buffs Podcast. Powered by the BSN Denver Podcast Network. 45, 50, 40, 35, breaking away. Two tackles to beat Bill Lindsay. 10, 5, touchdown, Colorado. You're my dream. I started calling him Mike Mack and Crier. Yeah, How does I'm he find love you, at the Walrus? You know. You can't find love at Rihanna the Walrus. Rihanna said you can. <laughs> I <Congrats>. know. <laughs> Stop. No, I've never been mad before. Now, you are your hosts, Ryan Koenigsberg, Jake Shapiro, and Ali Monroy. Step one, be attractive. Step two, don't be unattractive. Welcome into the BSN Bells podcast featuring yours truly, Jake Shapiro. I need an introduction now from myself. Yours truly, Jake Shapiro. Oh, wow. And mis amigos, Ryan Koningsberg and Ali Monroy. Did I get that right? Yeah, you did. Yeah, you did. Good job. Oh, yeah. Boys learning Spanish and doing a good job doing it. Uh, so good boy. Just in time to get rid of <laughs> <laughs> Just in time to not interview Diego Gonzalez. My timing is impeccable is what my all of my ex-girlfriends have told me. You can interview Carlos Gonzalez. He speaks perfectly clear English. <laughs> he does. So that doesn't really work out. You too know, well. I don't know how that would go for you because when I hear those Venezuelans speak, I can barely understand them, and I'm a hundred percent fluent in Spanish. And I mean, I can understand them, but they're uh, they have such specific slang, and it's all so like mixed in their accent. Let me add that I don't think uh, Jake understanding Carlos's Spanish would be the issue. It would more be. Carlos understanding Jake's <laughs> Spanish. Yeah, my Spanish is Earlier brutal. today, Jake said Q or a S. So. <laughs> it sounded like he was just naming things. I was, list- I was making a list, and I was not asking. <laughs> it was bad. It's so bad. Anyways, buffs. Sports. Uh, <laughs> the sports stuff we do have to talk, to talk about today, 
Uh, Derek White was drafted. We're going to get to that. There's basketball practice, and the TBT team is uh, opening up their camp uh, this week, and I went to one of the basketball practices. They've got another one coming up on Thursday. We're recording this on Tuesday. We've also got a pretty uh, inflammatory football question as well as an inflammatory football list that apparently is inflammatory that we need to discuss now. Do we need to say inflammatory one more time? Uh, well, it seems like you've been inflamed by oh, my topic choices today on the podcast. But I want to start with <laughs> what I saw at Colorado Buffalo's basketball practice because that is something that actually happened. Uh, there, there was a thing that happened in Buffs. Really, world. is there everything else hasn't actually happened? But like, I was there, and like, it was like the it's first not a made-up list. <laughs> it's a real <laughs> happening. It wasn't like a Mike McIntyre quote-unquote scandal. It wasn't like what? a just guy getting drafted two thousand miles away from us. Like, I walked across the street and saw George King dribble a basketball. That sounds exhilarating. That is awesome. I know. I played basketball with a couple kids the other day at the park like little kids do you think they could have beaten last year's tad boyle's team i don't know only one of them could get the ball high enough to to go into the basket so yes <laughs> but as, as, oh, wow. as tad boyle Hot would takes. say what How about their defense what about their, their defense and rebounding was off the charts i got to admit well they did this thing where all four of them swarmed around you, and like you couldn't really <laughs> dribble because you didn't want to hit them on the head or anything. That's a bold strategy. Get a bunch of very small people and have them play against big guys so they can't dribble. I know a super small guy who has eligibility at CU. I do too, but I can't think of his name off the top of my head. I know he has he, he's been on this podcast before. In fact, I think he's the most featured person on this podcast. Mm, incorrect. No? I've beaten you out because you missed two episodes. I also invented podcasts <laughs> on bsndenver.com. Wow. I'm on the phone with the CEO of podcasts. <laughs> I was yeah, running a podcast before most people on this website even knew what that was. Yeah, I don't think people did know what that was. The, the boss man knew what that was. Throwback to RK and Bads. I know there's still some fans out there if you haven't been scared away by the lower quality in this podcast. Oh. Thanks. <laughs> Uh, anyways, so I saw everyone practice that will be on the 2017-2018 basketball squad. Besides uh, for Lazar uh, Nokulik, that's the first time I'm pronouncing his name. And yeah, it's going to go wrong. well. It's going to be wrong for a while. but It's, Le- it's Lazar etched into your head. <laughs> oh, man. I like, feel like I missed this, but I really <laughs> don't when it actually happens. I think you were right and I was wrong. It's possible. <laughs> But we, two rights, of, two rights make a wrong. That's going to be a headline at some point this year. <laughs> two rights make lots of baskets, I think. Uh, McKinley Wright was very impressive to me. Naaman Wright not practicing, not because he's injured, but because there's some eligibility stuff with NCA. He didn't do anything wrong. Uh, it's just that he's a fifth-year senior, and he didn't redshirt one of those years. So I guess when you transfer, you can't practice over the summer in your fifth year of eligibility. That's what I was told. Something weird about like that. Naaman. Yeah. Someone was misleading you i think <laughs> i think so too but i don't you can practice whatever you want i don't think he was he definitely wasn't hurt because like between all the drills he was very active so uh we we also had deshaun schwartz tyler bay and evan batty make their debut as uh basketball players at cu boulder evan batty looking pretty big uh but has lost weight compared to where he was out of high school going to struggle getting up and down the court for a while but you expect that that was his first practice at altitude that was open to the public so uh, he's a big boy and he does something phenomenally well and we'll be talking about this for the next four years or however long Evan's here Uh, his post passing is phenomenal Uh, he is a great post passer uh, to the point where Tad Boyle pulled the team aside and said at one point just guys just get Evan the ball in the post and he'll pass it he'll find you Uh, and that was very impressive would you say that he's a thick baddie? <laughs> I would say I want to make him my bay. <laughs> Who tweeted that? Thick baddie? Was it Bryce Peters? I, I don't know. <laughs> so I just good. remember messaging you. It was like two years ago, and like some CU athlete was like, hey, I'm looking for a thick baddie. Oh, that wa- I think that was Bryce Peters. <laughs> I th- <laughs> thick baddie. 
And we tried. We were trying to figure out what that meant for a while, because like no, thick, we knew. We knew. Well, no, thick wasn't a thing, but like bat. Like we didn't like know batty was like. What is this conversation? All I'm saying is you've got a thick batty and bay on the buffs. Schwartz was uh, practicing. I didn't really notice much about Deshaun Schwartz. I've seen him play before. Um, but the guy I was most impressed with was George King. And I'll have a story coming on George, but uh, George looked physically terrific. Uh, and I think George is going to be the leader of this team and take a huge step forward. Dom looked to be improving still, and he looked to be kind of the player he was in the second half of last year where he was quietly pretty solid. Uh, Tory Miller had a solid post presence for a couple of minutes while I was watching him. But I think the biggest question for this team, and I'm already going to tell you going forward, is going to be which of George and Dom turn into the verbal leader because both of those guys can lead, but neither of them are vocal guys. It's interesting. I just have, like, a lot of thoughts going right now because we haven't <laughs> talked basketball in a while. First of all, uh, you were talking about Evan Batty's passing before I, like, I was, before I was just thinking about puns to make about him. But now I'm thinking, like, that could be huge. Because if you remember Josh Scott's senior year, the reason they shot so well from outside is because Josh had finally locked down how to pass out of double teams down low and really found a lot of open shooters. If Evan Batty can develop offensively as a scorer enough to command double teams and get the defense to shift a little, that passing is going to come in serious handy. The second thing, I think when Tad uh, was saying that, he was just directly calling out Torrey Miller because – you could, like, Tory Miller has got to be the worst post-passer of all time. And it's not because he's bad at passing. It's just he's never attempted it. That was my, that was my, uh, just, like, up, that was all my thoughts that I had right now. But you can re- re-bring up that other point that you were talking about. <laughs> that was so savage and accurate. But uh, the other thing with this team, besides that leadership, uh, is going to be the four spot slash five spot and their lack of depth there. Granted, Naaman Wright was not practicing, but he's a wing. They were giving Alexander Straitling a lot of time in practice, and I don't necessarily think that's a terrible red flag uh, because all the freshmen haven't proved themselves yet, and Straitling is a guy that knows the system because he's been practicing for a year. But, uh, and I don't really have anything against Alex. I think he can be a solid basketball player, but he and Dallas, are ni- neither of them are ready to start in the Pac-12, and neither of them are ready to take predominant bench roles in the Pac-12, and both of those guys were, are being relied upon right now on June 23rd. So, I mean, it's a long ways away, but that's going to be one of the storylines that develops over the course of the season. Yeah, I think so. I mean, you have to, de- like, you have to try and develop those guys. Um, in terms of, of straddling, you know, you brought him here. You, you brought him here for a reason. Um, maybe he, he can develop a little bit, but at the very least, you need to have strong players in practice. And uh, if guys like that and, and, you know, the Mitch Lombards and Josh Repines of the world can contribute and, and make practice tough on, on those other guys, then it's a positive. I think when you bring up leadership um, out of those two, George King is going to step up, in my opinion. After last season, how he was – he wasn't a disappointment, but he wasn't what we expected he would be. I think it's fair to say he was a disappointment. I think it's fair to say everyone on that roster that wasn't named Derek White – was with disappointment last season. Well, with that, he just wasn't what we thought he would be. Anyone, none of the fans thought he would be. He really didn't show up much. And I think with that, this season, this brings it back to being his team. And just even with him showing that, um, like going to the NBA, trying to go to the NBA drafter, he like has a future. He sees his future real real clear and he wants that so with that in mind like him just thinking about it even this year I feel like next year he's like all in it for that chance to be like Derek White and actually get into the NBA. I'm glad you said all that because that's exactly what this story that I'm writing is about with George it's going to be a bit longer but George talked to me about his future NBA hopes and following right in the footsteps of Derek White Uh, and being a fifth-year senior and coming from the University of Colorado um, and his NBA experience this past year when he uh, went through some of that, as well as some of the things he regrets from last year 
in terms of Josh not being there, Josh Scott, and giving him post pass or getting him passes outside, and Derek White touching, uh, taking some of his minutes. So there's a lot, a lot of stuff I have coming on George, uh, and I think George has the potential. Um, and I'm going to say this now, but I'm, I'm going to say this with the caveat that I can take this away before the start of the season because there's a <laughs> lot of time left, and I need to see. This is the Internet. You can literally do whatever you want. And I have to see them practice in October. But I think George King has the potential to be first-team Pac-12 this year. He definitely has the potential. I won't take that away from him. I think he's always had that potential. Right. I mean, he, he's packed full of potential. But talking about leadership, it's just really hard for me to see, and I'm excited to see what he had to say in, in reading your article because I, I, I feel like in sports I've just gotten to this point now where I just don't expect guys to do things that they aren't. And to me, George King just isn't a vocal guy. And so, do you think Dom is? No, Dom is most decidedly not. They don't have a vocal guy on that roster besides maybe McKinley Wright. But you don't think you that there's no one that someone is going to feel a need to step up? I mean, that's what you would have thought last year. Not even Derek stepped up as a vocal leader last year. He was just really good and really smart. Well, I feel like with Derek, it was a different situation. He didn't want to kind of overstep. He didn't want to overstep his boundaries, and he finally got to a certain point where he was just like, screw this. I'm the best player. I'm just going to go try and do my best and, and help the team. Um, but I'm going to stop worrying about trying to, you know, try to make everyone else more involved. I just don't see it. Like, Tory Miller is a guy who can maybe be like that, but he's just not good enough for people to follow in his footsteps. McKinley Wright, I'd love to see him – come into that role but it's really hard for a freshman to come in and start telling seniors fifth year seniors what telling them what to do uh it's one of those things that as this season gets closer and this and that develops maybe something falls into place and you're like there it is george is finally doing it there it is dom has completely changed who he is and become a vocal leader i think it's it's really easy for us to sit here and say well someone has to do it they'll figure it out but we've seen a lot of times, especially with Tad Boyle teams, for whatever reason, they the teams that are lacking that t- tend to ch- tend to struggle. And I mean, you look at the Askia Booker year. You know, Josh Scott would, would would look back on that and tell you he regretted not being a bigger leader that year. Last year, I think maybe Derek could look back and tell you that he regretted not being a bigger leader. So you, you'd love to see them come through, but I think it's something to keep in mind that if they don't, you need to kind of factor that into your expectations for the well, season what do you think with tad then where should he step in and who should he you, like how is he going to coach that, that needs to you happen need on a vocal leader that's something that happens on the court happens on the recruiting tad. no that's something that happens well, on the recruiting trail and i think with a guy like mckinley Wright, a pure point guard who can lead a little bit maybe that's what tad was thinking well when was the last time tad name Wright? maybe he he can step into a leadership role. i don't think that's Naaman's Naaman's thing but When's the last time Tad went, made it a point when in recruiting to go out after a real true point guard? He hadn't. He hadn't, right. And, and that, that's a huge sign of something that's changed with the Buffs is him getting McKinley right. Um, and I'm not saying McKinley Wright's the savior, and I, I don't put that on him, especially as a freshman. But the Buffs, Tad Boyle said this, that they're starting from ground zero. Mm-hmm. They're starting from square one. Even though it's Tad Boyle's eighth year or whatever, they're starting from square one. They have eight guys on that roster that have not played a minute for the CU Buffs. This is a brand new roster for the most part, a brand new team. Uh, we don't know anything about this team. It's hard to compare them to last year's team, although they did lose a lot from last year's team, more than just Derek White. Xavier Johnson and uh, Wesley, Gordon. Wesley Gordon and Josh Fortune were all guys that started pretty consistently for that team. They have lost a lot, so I don't want to put the expectations to the roof, but I don't want to put them at the floor because unlike Tad Boyle, I think there has been a standard set by Tad Boyle himself for for his teams in this era, and that standard is to at least make some sort of postseason tournament. So I'm not going to say that it's acceptable for this team, even with eight guys, to just flame out. I agree that they're losing. They lost a lot. It wasn't just Derek White, but... When you look back on those seniors, fifth-year seniors, you didn't really see that much. And starting fresh, obviously that takes time, and it takes developing, and, it, it, and you need that experience on the court. But I feel like in the, in the long run, that actually could help. Last year we talked a lot about the 10-80-10 or the 
you know, uh, the group that there's always going to be a group that leads the team. There's going to be a middle group. There's going to be a group that pull, uh, that pulls the team down that is a bad influence. I think, you know, w- with all the evidence that we have compiled last season, a good part of those seniors were having a negative influence on the team, and that and that shows in suspensions and yeah, and, and this and that and the kind of trouble those guys were getting in. So I think you can say, you know, Xavier Johnson and Wesley Gordon and Josh Fortune and, of course, Derek White, but those first two that I mentioned especially, unbelievable talent. You know, they had a chance to be really, really great players at CU. And I think it's also fair to say neither of them ever reached their full potential. So I don't want to take anything away from the talent that they brought to the team, but I do think in terms of the mentality of this team, there could be considered some addition by subtraction there. Uh, and again, that takes nothing away from their talent. I think it just has to do with the way they carried themselves, the way they handled themselves as fifth-year seniors. With that being said, who's going to be that 10%? Because when I when you just look down at the roster, you don't see a bunch of guys who are going to jump out at you and say, these guys are going to be the players who put in all that extra work, who are there on Friday night getting shots up at 10 p.m. and They're not going to be Derek in, White. Influencing their teammates to be better players. Now, I'm not saying those guys aren't there, but for this team to be great, because I think there's a lot of malleable talent on this team, for this team to be great or even good or even uh, competitive in terms of, of you know getting uh, a high seed in the Pac-12 tournament even, there's going to have to be guys who take that role of, I'm going to be that 10% and make guys follow me and make them better basketball players. Yeah. I think that's accurate, and I think that's a good spot to leave it, put a pin in that for now uh, until a little bit later on this year. Uh, and you're welcome, Goose, because I told Goose that we would talk about basketball a lot on today's podcast, especially because he's a dear friend of ours. Uh, I, thought I'd, I thought I'd give him a little bone there. And guess what? We've got even more basketball, but first I've got to tell you about Spring Valley Golf Club. And there you can play two courses in one, offering nine holes link style and nine holes traditional tree line. You're going to love the newly renovated green side bunkers with a European twist. Stack bunker walls. Come and try the fast and true greens that this 18-hole championship golf course delivers. Or get lessons from our PGA professional golf pros. And then eat at our award-winning restaurant, Spring Valley Golf Club is in Elizabeth, just a few miles from Parker and less than 45 minutes from downtown Denver. Just off the beaten path, but closer than you think. Book your tee time today at springvalleygolf.com. So the one more piece of bat, well, two more pieces of basketball. Really quick, I just have to say, like, hearing you read that read makes me one, like, makes me question, because, like, you're convincing. Like, I feel like you might know what stacked bunker walls are. And then I have to think of, like, every read I've ever heard. Like, these guys have no idea what they're saying. They're just good at reading the words on a page. Yeah, like... Mr. John Smith uses uh, Canadian Bank. Uh, that's the radio show on, you know, the radio host on Denver Sports Talk 740, you know, or something. I'm making up an example. And he's, like, reading about their great money transferring system from Canadian dollars to American dollars. <laughs> Whatever. 100% chance he has never used it. Yeah, exactly. And 100% like, chance he never had heard of the bank until he saw it on his, on his reader. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's, that's the point I wanted to make. Go ahead. Yeah. Uh, before we get to Derek White, TBT team starts their little training camp this week, and uh, Bo Gamble, who's running the team, texted me and goes, dude, Josh Scott's playing in Summer League and for us? What a story, explanation point. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, you're right. Like, that's pretty dope of Josh to do. But that, gosh, like they had Xavier Silas, Chris Copeland. That team is really legit. And from what I'm hearing, and I'll get to see it a little bit in front because I'm going to go to a few of their practices – is their biggest worry is they're so good that they might not have enough balls to go around. Yeah, I mean, you look at the team, uh, returning the, the main guys from last year, you're Dominique Coleman, Austin Dufault, Marcus Hall, uh, Relford, Roby, go on down the list. But then you go ahead and you add Xavier Silas. You add Josh Scott. Was Michelle Mirandis on this squad last year? I, I don't, don't know. think so. Uh, I you, think he's new. You add Mirandis. Uh, you go down the line. And it's like, wow, these guys really stacked up after playing in the championship last year. And that, and that makes you kind of – helps you to understand why they got a number one seed in the bracket. Uh, because this team has a lot of great chemistry, as we saw last year. They're hungry. They've tasted the finals. And all they did was get, like, a lot stronger. 
It's going to be really interesting. Trent and Bo did such a good job building this team. Uh, building the, the culture around the whole thing. And Tad Boyle said, eh, we asked Tad Boyle after practice the other day, he's like, what did you have to do with this? Like, whatever. He's like, basically nothing. Like, I, he's like, I owe such a great debt, uh, debt to Trent and Bo. They've done such a good job in keeping our family together. And Tad was talking to all of his players after practice about how he not only wants them there, he basically, you know, was expected, wink, wink, them to be there and, and take in all of the great Colorado basketball past. And what he said what was really interesting was, I want you guys to understand how fortunate you are to play now for Colorado basketball because some of these guys would be killing to play for Colorado basketball the way it is now compared to what it was when they played. Oh, yeah. I mean, gone down the line. Xavier Silas. Uh, I mean, Chris Copeland got – when he came up with, this, with the Pacers, people were like – Chris Copeland, oh, yeah, he saw. Oh, wait, he went to Colorado. Yeah, I had I mean, never seen a Colorado basketball, right? Like, because people just didn't watch the basketball team then. Yeah, I mean, he was part of that group with Mirandis that went to one tournament, and that was, like, at the time, the greatest season ever. Like, uh, I want to say 2003. Like, everyone was so hyped because they beat a bunch of really good teams. Like, the fans charged the court, like, four times that year it was amazing I'll always remember that season because that's when that when I really started paying attention to CU basketball but Tad is completely correct in the fact that that was one year they lost in the first round of the tournament and everyone was like going bonkers right now, now if they get knocked in the first round of the tournament people are telling are saying they should fire their head coach their head coach that takes them to the tournament almost every year so that's a that's a really great uh point there from Tad that these guys who all most, if not all, are playing professional basketball. And he talked about that, just learning and experience. He's like, some of these guys played in the NBA, but forget that. Every single one of these guys is making money off of what you do right now. And that's invaluable experience. I feel like, with, especially with those young guys, that is just seeing that culture, seeing that family, seeing all of that kind of just gets you hyped, especially coming in as a freshman. Like, I mean, if you're McKinley Wright and you get to face Marcus Hall like on a three-on-three this week, you're like, and probably oh, get cooked, get cooked, <laughs> right? Like your your eyes are gonna open up a little bit. Yeah, I mean that's great. That's so fantastic. I mean, you look at the culture Tad has built now with three first-round picks. That's not even the you know the overarching point here. Forget first-round picks. These are all professional basketball players that have played for the University of Colorado, and now they're all coming back. All because of Bo Gamble and, and uh, Trent Beckley putting together something that at the time people were laughing at. I remember like this was my first offseason covering the Buffs, and I was like covering the hell out of the TBT team because I had, I had no idea what to write about. I mean, yeah, Beach goes today. It's like, dude, Ryan saved us that first year. <laughs> like I was, I had no. I was just like, I need something up every single day. Like, what in the world am I supposed to do in the middle of the offseason? The football team is going to be trash. Like. What do I even do? And then Bo comes to me. He's like, hey, we have this idea for this thing. Like, I think we're going to do it. And I was like, yes. Like, <laughs> give me interviews. I was like calling Marcus Hall, Richard Roby. I was doing interviews with Bo. Like, I did an article and, like, their jerseys came out. I was just – anything I, was, I could take, <laughs> I was like, yes, give it to me. But from that little thing that no one really believed in, they were begging for support from donors and stuff that the donors were like, why would I do this? Finally, they were able to fund it. And now it's created this culture you've got – all the professional basketball players, except for the NBA guys, coming back to Boulder every summer. I mean, Roby's, Roby's not coming back to Boulder because he's in the final four of his playoffs in Brazil right now, but he's going to go straight from that to the TBT in Vegas without even going home. It's amazing, and it's so good for the culture of Colorado basketball, but just the exposure and everything. like You're keeping Colorado basketball relevant. We're talking about Colorado basketball in the end of June right now, like, that, that alone uh, is worth all the effort those guys have We've put in. We've talked about it for a half an hour, not to just me, for a minute either. To me, thinking about him just going straight um, to Vegas for the tournament just kind of makes me feel like it's become this, like, boys trip. You know, it's like no matter what, like, I have to go back to Colorado. i got to do this. i got to be with my guys. And that's just so awesome to see that family that was built, and anyone wants to be a part of that. Yeah, and it's like. All this these so years, we always, we're always talking about, like, the, our, you know, your favorite buffs and these guys. And you're like, oh, imagine if, uh, like, Richard Roby would have been able to play with Josh Scott. Now you actually get to see that. Oh, to I me, didn't even like think about so that amazing. yet. Like, like, th like t 
like, if you're going greatest buffs of all time, just we don't need to think about this, like, really hardly right now, but you're going Scott Wedman, Chauncey Billups, probably Josh Scott, Richard Roby, and then one Cliff more guy. Neely, Kip like, so you got two of the five best buffs ever taking the court together. Maybe. I mean, uh, yeah, you can make that argument. You could definitely make that argument. I mean, you've got to get Alec Burks, Andre, Spencer in there, too. Right. But those in are terms of Colorado White, career, like, yeah. If he had the longevity, would definitely be in there. But, I mean, it's so cool, especially for people that have been fans of, for the team for that long. Like, if you watch Roby and now you're watching Josh Scott and Roby play together with guys like Xavier Silas and Marcus Hall, like, it's so cool. I, the whole thing is awesome to me, and – who knows? Maybe they make another run. I, I, apparently, there's a bunch of bandwagon fans voting this year, so I'm not in the $4,000 <laughs> uh, prize tier anymore. I've, I've dropped down to the $1,000 prize tier, but I'll take it. For you. Uh, before we get uh, to the Derek White thing, i got to give you our last little uh, advertisement here, and that's for Jackson's Hole, which opened up in March of 1977 and quickly became the place for watching sports. Almost 40 years later in Jackson's, All-American Sports Grill is keeping their reputation alive. There's 65 and 70 inch TVs everywhere. The food, well, it's still amazing. And there's almost 30 beers on tap, which include table taps that you can control at your own booth. Come down to Jackson's All-American Sports Grill in Greenwood Village off Arapahoe and I-25, the original sports grill. Derek White drafted 29th overall, the first senior drafted this year in uh, out of college basketball in this year's NBA draft goes the San Antonio Spurs and as you said to me probably a year ago wouldn't it be perfect if Derek White got drafted by the San Antonio Spurs seems pretty perfect now why do you always call these things like you just call the most random things I don't know and get it right I, I don't know I just have gut feelings and I just say them <laughs> out loud uh, but what an amazing amazing thing for Colorado basketball I just I feel like this hasn't like it I, I needs more hype why aren't people like when when Andre got drafted in the first round people were like going nuts they're like adding dudes on Twitter who doubted him like you're an idiot like I feel like everyone was just like oh you nice should have added the head coach of CSU uh or CU uh Colorado Springs there. oh I I completely almost had forgotten about that whole thing and I just remembered it while I was, like, in the shower the other day. And I was like, oh, my God. Like, we need to go listen to that podcast. That was crazy. I want to – I so bad – I, I did the there, same so thing. I, obviously, they've made amends because he was there on draft night uh, with, with Derek there. So, right. obviously, that, that bridge was rebuilt. But I, I thought about that, too, the other day. And I just – like, I, it was, like, one of those things was, like, walking around my apartment. And I just thought about it and just started laughing out loud. And I live alone. Like, it wasn't even, like – Right. Well, I want to – I want to go back and, like – I remember UCCS was like tweeting that night, like, "Oh, our all-time leading scorer, like, or Alex, I think Welsh, Alex Welsh ended up Alex passing. Welsh now our all-time leading scorer passes some dude." Right, like, but now they were tweeting all about it on draft night, and I want to go back and almost be like, "Wait a minute, this is the same school that was like so pissed at him because he got to chase his dream just playing D1 basketball." Now I don't even know, like, of course he kept that in his mind, but. When Derek White was a sophomore at UCCS, like, he didn't think he was going to be a first-round draft pick in the NBA. I think at that point, a little bit of reality is probably starting to set in on you. Then he goes off and starts destroying everyone. He's like, wait, I want to go play D1. And obviously they were a little bit salty about that, one of the saltiest <laughs> things ever. But now it's just so amazing for Derek. Not only does he go to the NBA, like, it's not like he went to some trash franchise. He goes and he, he gets to play for – Greg Popovich, he gets picked by R.C. Buford. And how about that connection right there? Greg Popovich has major roots to Colorado Springs. I mean, he coached at Air Force. He went and got his graduate degree at DU. Like, this isn't some dude picking Derek White. This is, like, the most Colorado Springs guy that's in that league picking Derek White. Well, and I don't know if you saw the video of R.C. Buford talking about yeah, I did. Tad Boyle. Talk about, like, a lot of good press right now surrounding a team that was – really disappointing last year but you've got widely regarded a guy who's widely regarded as one of the best gms in the nba if not the best talking about how much they trust tad boyle and how tad boyle develops nba guards and all these amazing things they're saying about tad like all, all these little things i was really happy that colorado basketball pulled that and put that on twitter because they all need these to little capitalize things, right, on those things all these things like are so they've huge. got a new social media girl too so Good job, her. Yeah, good job. Ariana Freeman, by the way, former women's basketball player. Oh, nice. Yeah, she found a way to to get that video, and 
put that up. Like, that was prime stuff. That's that's the kind of stuff that you have to capitalize on. Like, honestly, that should be in the inbox of recruits. Like, look at this. Like, like you get 30 seconds of recruits' attention, just send that to them. Right. Like, honestly, the though. San Antonio Spurs, like, one of the best organizations in basketball, since they have a lot of trust for Tad Boyle and they and he develops NBA guards and they like the way that he coaches. Like, that's the best advertisement you could ever have. I wonder what Tad Boyle was saying about Xavier Johnson to NBA teams that called. If he, he's an honest guy. He's so an honest I mean, guy, man. He yeah. Keeps it real, as they say. Did, we don't know if Xavier Johnson or uh, Wes Gordon made summer league teams yet, do we? I know we know I Josh. Any buzz about them? I think. I remember they worked out for the Nuggets. I don't right, think that's the last been, I've heard yeah, about. Yeah, I don't them. think there's been anything. That's so weird. Uh, but, yeah, so th that that's a great story, Derek getting drafted, and obviously we've been on his side since day one, so really nice to see that as we know Derek pretty well. And it's just great to be able to watch him play more basketball because a lot of people, including myself, after just watching him last season, I was just so sad we didn't get a chance to see him more at CU, and now we get to see him in the NBA, which is just amazing and so great for him. And he's got a Derek chance. Someone tweeted – one of the NBA scouts tweeted this, so I'm not saying – I'm not – this isn't my original deal, which – idea which makes it even more uh, of a great statement. Someone go, one of the NBA scouts goes, Derek White, comma, next Tony partner, Car Parker, question mark. And like, if you think about it, like Derek White is in line to be the starting point guard right there when Tony retires. It's wild. I mean, it couldn't be, it's just, everything is so perfect. I'm so excited for Derek. He's such a smart player that he's going to fit in perfectly there. And, you know, Maybe what he lacked in leadership last season, he's going to learn that from some of the best leaders you could possibly learn that from. I mean, they still got Tim Duncan stopping by practice every day. He's in such a fantastic uh, situation over there. So excited for him. Like Ali said, I, I find myself wishing we could have seen more Derek White. I, you know, And thinking, like, what would his career arc have been? Let's just say he walked on at CU as a freshman had, and had a similar growth spurt and all that. Like, where would we be now? What if he had two seasons like that at CU? What if he took him to a Sweet incredible. 16? Like, he could have been a maybe a top 15 pick if that would have happened. So, uh, I'll be, I think I speak for, you know, a lot of people when I say I'll be following his career closely because for the simple fact, like, we haven't seen enough Derek White basketball yet. I, I just want to see more. I want to watch NBA Summer League <laughs> Spurs games just to see Derek White play ball. Summer in, League is awesome, by the way. In all honesty, we haven't seen his – full potential at all and with going to a team like the Spurs he actually has a chance for that to completely develop and um, I was reading a lot of different places saying that um, the Spurs could actually give him a chance to come into his own as a player it's everything is amazing that he doesn't have to go somewhere and kind of like he was with the Buffs last year like they're just like uh save us <laughs> like they're, they're just like, hey, why don't you sit over there and just watch uh, two of the greatest of all time work ahead of you and learn a little something from them. The bad I mean, NBA. The of all time, but well, the other good piece of, of all time. NBA news was that Andre Roberson was named to the second team all defense in the NBA. Or was it first team? It was, he was honored. I saw that. I, 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 I think he, I remember feeling like he was slighted, so I think it was second team. The other piece of NBA news for the Buffs that is actually bad news is that the Nets traded for D'Angelo Russell, which cuts into Spencer Dinwiddie's time again. Wherever he seems to go and just about to find himself, it seems like some move happens, but uh, we'll see what happens there as that situation d develops, because it does not seem like D'Angelo Russell is the best teammate in the world. But I want to get to our question of the week here on BSN Buffs, which we threw out to you guys on Twitter, at uh, BSN Buffs, for all of your questions, comments, and rude things you say to us, which is okay, I guess. There was rude things? Yeah. Well, the latest Just mention was rude. Yeah, the latest mention was very mean. Let's not acknowledge it, though. Yes. Uh, question of the week. What would you deem a successful season for Colorado football this year? I know Allie wrote this because Ryan wouldn't write CU football. He'd write Colorado football because he doesn't like calling it CU. I, I have no issue calling it CU football. But did you, you didn't write it, did you? No, I wrote That's it. That's how I knew that. <laughs> um, John uh, Humbert. Here, uh, his first reply, uh, investigative reporter journalist with the check mark, unlike us. we got to get on those check marks. Bowl game. We are nor investigative nor check marked. Yeah. Bowl game. Going to revert to the, the mean this year, especially on defense. Love Montez, but hopefully he won't be ru run ragged like Cepho. Matt Hansen says seven wins. Uh, the next one we got here is Matt Cisneros, who says bowl game. Who's win that? 
Matt Cisneros. Never heard of him. Just, just, just the, the god. Guy. The god. <laughs> he actually got so many responses. Bowl game win, win the should wins, and then compete at home versus Washington and USC. At Sam Mativier, the basketball expert says seven. So. Win That's what his name is on Twitter right now. It's, okay. it's Sam Mativier. Oh, so I wasn't throwing shade at him. <laughs> so he's being, he's the one being. Uh, I think he's being ironic. Okay. Which is good on Sam. I like that. Seven wins, six would be okay. Anything more than eight would be great. So he said three different numbers. Uh, so there we go. Uh, earn, eye on Denver. Earn no worse than one of the top three Pac-12 affiliated bowls. Jace Kinney says six and six to eight and four. Nate says four and eight. That's the lowest one I've seen. Taylor Henry. Four and eight and eight. Four and eight, Nate. That's good. Four and Nate. <laughs> Taylor Henry, a uh, friend of ours from high school, says six and six to eight and four. Get to another bowl game, then load up on next year. Tom Evans says the national championship. And then double A, Pac-12 champs. Got to keep getting better. What is the most reasonable thought there for you guys? Honestly, I feel like it's only fair to almost pretend – like last year didn't happen. And oh, wow. I, I think, you know, that's really, really hard to ask fans to do. But you have to understand that last year was an anomaly. That's why I sat here every week on this podcast and told you, please enjoy this. Please soak it up. Please soak it in. Because last year wasn't real life. Like, you might think it was, but it was really just a, like a crazy dream you had. And it happens to be, like, on some record books and stuff. <laughs> but just pretend like that was a dream, and you're waking up now, and the buffs are still on an upward trajectory, but things have changed a bit. And, you know, they're, they're a little bit younger than they were before you fell asleep, but they're still trying to build a program back from what was a really, really, really dark place. And I, I just don't want people to all of a sudden think that now the bar is 10 wins. National championship? That's like, that's not fair. And this program, it really is on the upward slope. But I don't want people to, to, to look back on this season this year and, and see seven wins or six wins or, you know, maybe even lower than that. I don't think it's going to get that bad. But I don't want you to look at that as a negative. And that's why I almost want you to just pretend like last year didn't happen. Because if last year didn't happen – then you would be expecting them to win six or seven games this year. That would be a nice season for you. So don't let last season affect the way you look at this team because it's a, it's a different team. It's a younger team. It's not so senior laden. It's not chocked full of NFL talent in the secondary, although Isaiah Oliver completely is NFL talent. Just don't look at this through the scope of a 10-win season last year. Look at it through the scope of the seasons before that and where they are now and – you know, I spoke with a source in the program not so long ago who, who said, you know, we need to make it through this season to, and keep the momentum, but it's after this season when things are going to really start to get good. So be patient with this team. I'm not saying don't expect them to win because they have the talent to win, but don't expect them to be last year's team because they aren't and they won't be. I agree with that, and I think um, Cisneros' um, response was actually – Really good one. Is oh, get to Matt Cisneros game. is correct again. Shocker. Win the should wins and then compete at home versus Washington and USC. And I agree. I think. Someone is like sitting on, like pulling their hair out. Like, I'm so sick of hearing about competing. Like national championship mans is like, like is not listening to BS. He's the same guy that was so mad at us when we said they'd get their asses kicked if they were in the college football playoff like of course you want them to go to the college football playoff of course that they should be in the national championship this year no no but no. in the same sense Tyler Ziskin did say to me because he oh, was a yeah, big that was a huge argument he was a big <laughs> proponent of almost ended the friendship of you know making the college football playoff and his main point was who's to say that they don't go to that you know the Rose Bowl or the Alamo Bowl and get their asses handed to them that that's no better than getting your asses handed or that's that's worse than getting your asses handed to you by Alabama. So in the end, that narrative actually proved to be right. Tyler Ziskin is right about a lot of stuff, and I love him. But I think, you know, the, the issue here is to not get – just don't let your expectations get out of whack. Because if you do, if you're looking at everything from that mountain, if you're looking from the mountain of 10 wins down on this team, 
you're going to end up being upset. You're going to end up being angry and frustrated and, and not happy with the way things are going. And you're going to see a negative trajectory. If you look at this from the perspective of a building program that is still trying to get back to relevance because one year does not make a, a return. You need to have multiple, multiple strong seasons in a row to, to come back, to really be back and not just be a fluke. And so just be happy with a bowl game. That, I, think really, I really think making to a bowl game is a realistic goal. And speaking of Matt Cisneros, he just texted me. Are you guys jealous? <laughs> of? He just is talking about birds. Oh. Oh, not so Oh, did he send you a picture of a bird? No, he one. just said your last retweet was extremely on brand. I just think fans need to be realistic, and I know that's really hard. Um, but when you think of it, the secondary did lose a lot. There is a new defensive coordinator. There is a new quarterback. The offense, is re- the offense does not even, did I just say that word? <laughs> yeah, you did. <laughs> the offense is really trying to step it up. So there's just so many new different factors. The team is younger that I agree with you, Ryan, that it's not that they're, I don't think that they're going to just completely downgrade and just go back to their old ways. But I also agree that thinking 10 wins, thinking a national championship, although it's a great goal, you're, there's just more of a chance that you're going to be disappointed. And you know, there's that saying it's, um, better to be surprised than disappointed. And I just think sticking with going to a bowl game, trying to win six or seven games, like that person said, eight would be great. But just being realistic, as hard as it may be, is the thing that's going to keep you motivated for next season, I or for this season. I haven't weighed in yet. And um, what, would I, what would I be happy with as a, as a Buffs fan? I'd be happy with a bowl game again. What would I deem a successful season? You know, I I think that's different verbiage. And I don't necessarily think that they need to improve because their standards should be lower for this year because of all the loss of talent. But what would I deem a successful season? I'm going to say this. I think eight wins. I think you got to beat Washington, too. I think one of those eight wins has to be Washington. I I think as a player, they're going to see this season as not successful if they don't get the vindication against Washington. I literally and just tied this beautiful, strong knot and just like <laughs> slowly untying That's it. What, isn't yeah. that what sports talk radio is supposed to be? <laughs> One person ties the knot, the other person just unties it, and they just go back and forth for years. Yep. But, you know, I just – to me, successful is different than, than, than what I deem – I will take a six-win season. I think that is perfectly fine with this team. In fact, I think you should be more than happy if this team wins six games because I don't know that the talent's there to win more than seven. I really don't. And fall camp will prove to me, but if I were to make a win prediction for this team right now, it'd probably be six or seven. So I, I just don't think that there's that. They're, they're full of talent, that they are this great team, that they're the same team as last year. So what I think Buffs fans should expect is around six or seven, but what would I be overly joyous about and say it's successful? Say you win eight games and you come really close to winning the Pac-12 South again. And you keep building that positively and you keep making steps forward. I know 10, 10 and 4 to 8 and f- probably what's going to end up being 8 and 4 and then whatever happens in the bowl game, so let's just call it 9 and 4, is a step back. But to me, that's a step forward again because you're doing more with less. I agree, but, I mean, after losing such a strong defensive coordinator and your defense really being the core of your team for most of the season, you really can't just expect them to be even better, especially with this new defensive coordinator that we really don't know that much about. Levitt really built his team and built built the, the players to play for him. And so after losing that and after losing so many seniors and after losing a lot of that leadership, there is still a lot of leadership on this team, and they have a lot to say they're really hyped up and that's great but you just can't expect it to be the even better you can hope you can dream for that but really realistically when you have to come down to it is they are taking a step back in the defense and maybe the offense can step up and change that and contra- and contradict that but i don't know how the defense will play with this new coordinator and i think that's just a key factor in the season and i want to expand on your point out 
you've got three new defensive coaches, not just a defensive coordinator. That's you've true. got a brand new you've got eight guys that are gone that were starting on your defensive squad. You've got three of your four coaches are brand new. This is an entirely new team defense. And as Ryan and I were talking about the other day, in college football or in football in general, you really have three teams. You've got special teams, offense, and defense. One of those three teams for the Buffs is completely new going into next year. And not only are these guys like um, younger and weren't around, but a lot of these guys are JUCO guys, so they haven't even been in the system, a system that's going to be brand new too. So they don't know the culture. There's going to be a lot of I think head-scratching things that go on with the defense in the first three weeks that end up don't really costing them because they're cupcake games, but they're going to be some really concerning things, I believe. CSU a cupcake, you say? Oh, yeah, of course. You've seen that all-time record, right? I have. And, and that actually brings me to an important point. To me, it's another I, one I of those... Can't, by the way, I can't wait to, like, uh, if, like, Ryan Edwards listens to this, who's our, one of our CSU friends... And like, cause like he listens to all these BSM Buffs podcasts, but doesn't tell us. And then like, he'll have me on his show and be like, so Shap, I heard you called CSU a cupcake. And then I'm like, ah, uh, um, uh, yeah. So yeah. go ahead. <laughs> but, um, I don't think it's a cupcake first of all. And that game should always terrify you. If you're, a, if you're a CU fan, uh, even if you win 43 to eight, uh, uh the year before, because you just never know. It's um, always a toss-up. That game a, just... That game is just... It is what it is. Like Everyone knows what that game is, and it's scary if you're a CU fan. So that's that's one, one thing that I think is really important because I think they need to start 3-0 and to make that bowl game uh, more of a foregone conclusion than an uphill battle. Um, it's not like the Pac-12 is going to be any less good all of a sudden. So... And, with that, with, while, while I say that, you know, there will be some teams that take a step back, but there's always teams reloading in the Pac-12. Uh, you know, out on the West Coast, those teams are always going to be getting stronger and bringing in great recruits. Good news is for CU that Utah definitely will never win a Pac-12 South title. <laughs> it sure looks like that. But uh, speaking of CSU really quick, I just wanted to say that I was at a uh, sporting goods store today. And is this similar to your elevator story, or is this right? Like I almost story? tweeted it again, but I felt like I would have been piling on. Uh, all the CU shirts were like regular priced, and this, <laughs> the clearance rack was just stocked with CSU and Avs gear. So I don't know what that says about one of those two teams, but I think it's damning. Like the Avs were the worst team in the history of the <laughs> NHL this year. <laughs> to me, so, yeah. To me, CU needs to win all three. Um, starting games I think to really bring a lot of at least students back in there to not feel like oh what last year was just just random like a dream like are they actually going to be good this year because it's not just we're the ones asking how the secondary is going to be how Steven Monta is going to be it's a very big question that almost every CU fan is asking and so these students know that they know that that last year was amazing they're excited to see but really you need to prove it especially at CSU at the CSU game but all three beginning games kind of get that momentum going get those tailgates get that just everyone's so hyped again to start going to these games so to me winning those three games th those three beginning games is really crucial to really bring those fan base back and be motivated and excited for them and in all reality that winning those three games it just boils down to beating csu because uh you're gonna beat those other two teams this isn't it's texas state in, in northern colorado so yeah and it, neither of those are you know montana state or eastern washington or north or, texas or sacramento state <laughs> <laughs> but I, I one more topic to get to on this podcast which is uh, BSN Buffs has created some controversy uh, within the Buffs locker room, it seems. Uh, we have made a list of our top 20 Buffs, which was seemingly the most arbitrary thing we could do because <laughs> we needed to fill a month of content, honestly, and we thought we would write little notes about, hey, the Buffs have 20 really solid players as well as a couple guys that we couldn't fit in here with some honorable mentions. Here's a couple words about them uh, so you can get ready for the season going into fall camp. I feel like it they're, really they're, wasn't supposed to be this big thing. It was very uncontroversial. <laughs> it was just, it was honestly just to get, a, get, get our readers back into the groove of things and get us back into the groove of things. Um, and 
what happened was... Things have gone awry. <laughs> things have gone very much awry. We, we've got some players mad at us. I knew things... I knew it wasn't a good sign when, like, in a matter of 10 minutes, four football players followed at BSN Buffs. I was like, oh, no. <laughs> They're consumed by the rankings. But, like... Here's the thing with this. Well, we made some buffs mad, but then there's others that are sharing it all around and getting congrats. Right, like Nick Fisher was so happy. <laughs> Leo Jackson Leo was like Jackson the hashtag shared it on Facebook. And like <laughs> right, like so I don't know. But here's the thing. I get guys when they're in the NFL top 100 and they feel like they're rated lower than they should be. It's a stupid thing to get mad about, but I get it. I get that you feel you should be rated higher or should be even in the list. What it's a I, totally different conversation. But, 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 but this is what I'm talking about. What I don't like is you saying that you're better than your teammates or saying that you think your teammates should be rated lower than you because that's how that comes across and that's not a good look it's not honestly i don't know what it is about people having numbers next to their names but it just really gets people going and they don't care if it's just three random people's opinions they see it on a nice, beautiful website like bsndenver.com, and it feels really official to them. And they're like, ah, I'm the 12th best player on the team because Jake Shapiro, Sam Weaver, and Chase Howell said so. Like, how do I shake myself from these shackles? And it's really not that big of a deal. Speaking of the NFL Top 100, those players vote on that, and they don't care at all when they're in the voting process. And somehow, two months later when the rankings come out, they get all up in arms, and I was like, you were in the locker room. You could have affected this, and you told the poor girl from NFL Network to leave you alone. So the whole thing is stupid. The fact that uh, players get affected by it is even more stupid. If I was a coach, I'd be pulling oh my hair out God. that these guys are reading their press clippings, not out there catching passes uh, with their quarterback who's going to be uh, you know, taking the reins for the first time. But They're catching more likes on Twitter than they are football. <laughs> right. Uh, I will say. Although it, it is also the most stereotypical thing that the receivers are the ones that are mad about this. Oh, of course. Like, it's not like the linemen. But, and I also think the fact that NFL players whine about their rankings on Twitter makes people like Devin Ross and Bryce Bobo think it's cool to complain about their rankings on Twitter. Like, they're like, ah, I'm disrespected. Saying you're disrespected is like the coolest thing you can ever say in the offseason. The entire last offseason, every single player on the Broncos was like, everyone is disrespecting us. No one gives us the respect they deserve. It's like, it's like a football player's favorite thing to feel in the offseason is disrespected. With that being said, for some reason, two of the people at this table weren't even consulted about these at rankings. All. And you were, I think you were both out of town and on vacation. Okay, I okay. still had my phone. Okay, okay. <laughs> Neither of you were responding to texts for a week. Okay, all I'm saying is I think both Devin and Bryce have a completely – legitimate gripe on their rankings all right well, well the whole okay. list will be released later so i'll say that so we're not sharing why guys are rated what but keep going Allie. what i think the bottom line is like you guys were saying it's just kind of pathetic to whine on twitter about a ranking from a website um to me it's like jake was saying it's disrespectful to the rest of your teammates and also Bryce Bobo and a bunch of the CU football players were tweeting disrespect after um, when they got chosen to the Alamo Bowl. And I'm not saying they were disrespected in that sense. Oh, but, I remember that. But they were tweeting so frustrated, like, oh, my God, like, they disrespected us, whatever. And what you would think, instead of tweeting disrespect and all that, clearly if you're hyped up and you're angry, you'd come and show it. And they didn't show it at the Alamo Bowl. And so instead of what I would personally like, instead of Bryce Bobo tweeting about it, he might have a fair argument. Our Ryan and I's list will be shared later. Um, but instead of tweeting about a website putting out a ranking in June, or June, yeah, end of June on your season, why don't you get ready to shut everyone up during the CSU game? That's just what you have to do. You you were injured. You know, there were these players who didn't show up and who didn't play as well as they could have the last two games of the season. And, you know, after that, instead of whining and talking on Twitter and getting all mad, you should just get ready to show it. And like um, Ryan was saying, if I was Chev, 
I would be absolutely livid Shev to is, see this. Chavez liked and retweeted most of these too, which is the best. But really? Yeah, he liked the no one way. today on Instagram. He liked it on Instagram today. Oh, oh I thought you meant he liked Bobo's tweet. No, he liked. Oh. He's liking. Oh our my god! Articles. I was like, wait, I, honestly, what? He but here, here's the other thing. Um, I had a player who. Uh, Ryan and Ali both think maybe didn't even deserve to be on the list. He's already been on the list, um, and he was lower on uh, some of our peers' list uh, that have done this for other websites. Uh, come up to me and confronted me about where he was on the list, and I said, um, "If you're that if you're that low on the list, you're gonna have a damn good season. If you're gonna play it like that, so that's good news for you guys." Meanwhile, what I was really thinking is. Damn, you better thank your lucky stars that we were dumb enough to put you this high on our list. All I'm saying is, like, come back, like, pull a, uh, pull a Joel, Joel Embiid v. Brandon Spano. <laughs> and, like, oh, my God. <laughs> file this tweet away. And then, like, when you're a first-round pick or something in the NFL, quote tweet it and be like, this man didn't even think I was in the top ten on my team last year. Here I am in the top ten of the draft or whatever it is like save it do something before you whine about it and then you'll look a lot better to the fans your teammates uh i i, I just wonder what's like if you're saying you're being disrespected by being at 12 like what does the guy who was ranked number 11 say to you tomorrow well that was my favorite part about today was i was waiting for that when i published that because like I, I woke up to Bryce Bobo mad at your ranking. I was like, oh, he's going to be really mad when he sees Devin Ross was rated exactly one one above him. But, uh, you know, like, honestly, like, I stand by my rating, uh, our ratings, and I think they're fair. And uh, it'll be interesting to see what happens with the rest of this list because, like, this was supposed to be positive for all these guys. Like, I'm calling you one of the 20 best people on your team of 130. Like, it's not bad to be on this list at all just no matter where you are like you could make the argument that any of these guys could go fi uh, up five or down five pretty much like that's 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 a good thing uh that shows that this team is pretty deep like we had a lot of trouble figuring out which guys deserve to even be in the honorable mentions like i think we left out aaron hagler and i felt really bad about that uh but like th there are a lot of guys on this list that could have gone up or down and like Obviously, you're going to see the top five. I think the top five is pretty obvious no matter which way you order them. But, like, six through ten – I mean, six through 15 could go pretty much as a toss-up. And I think that's a good sign for this football team uh, or a bad sign depending on uh, if you think the, ta the talent is I just, even this, good or bad. I hope there's a leader somewhere in there that's saying, guys, why are you caring what some site is ranking you right now? Like – there was a player's let, girlfriend who was saying that. <laughs> yeah, like let let's get it in. Like let's get some work in today and get better. And and you can worry about proving them wrong later because last year I think there was a lot of guys like that. Like I don't think like, Sefo Lufau yeah, would have cared where he was ranked on this list. I don't think Cheeto would have cared where no. what he was ranked on this list, even though he would have been number one. Uh, or even Tedrick. Like Tedrick. Akello. Maybe Akello would have cared, but there would have <laughs> been someone there saying, "Dude, come on." I'm worried that they don't necessarily have that. Maybe Phil is, like, the guy who has to be the voice of reason that's just, like, guys. And he's obviously in the top five, so people are going to be – if I'm Bobo and that, like, well, you were rated number – you were rated in the top five. You, why can you, like – you know like, what I mean? Like, this can devolve so yeah, quickly. Yeah, it's just, like, someone needs to be there to tell them, like, guys. And maybe it's Chev who's just, like, guys, are you serious? Like, this is what you're doing? It's mid – it's the end of June. Stop, stop searching your name based. on Twitter. They're opinion-based. I think they follow BSM. It's just what Thanks. we have to say. Don't follow things. Don't follow accounts that tweet about you. I would, and well, it's just weird yeah. to me that, like, this this ranking is getting so big because a lot of other uh, people have had rankings. Right, like, Adam's got a rating, and he's been doing it for, like, t 10 years. Like, it's not, like, we. I honestly got the idea from Adam pretty much. Like, all don't forget, though, Adam. Don't forget, though, that the players can't read that. Right, but like or still, they, it. it's usually videos. oh they can't see the headline either. Like well, the headline will just say like top buffs seventeen through twenty or whatever. Oh okay, okay that's real. So that's why this is causing a stir compared to Adam. Well, like <laughs> this is obviously four people followed the buffs or four people followed BSN buffs out of nowhere. People were you could just tell they were talking about this. They somewhere. were talking about it 
somewhere. Well, and instead of talking about so this in the locker room or wherever you are. Well, Rick and Shay and oh, okay. those guys are roommates. So. I just think that instead of sense. talking about this opinion-based article in the locker room or wherever you are, you should be like. Also, like some of them have my number. Like if you have, like you have a problem, like just text me well, and be like, really, shout. That's what I thought like the most appropriate response would have been to Bryce and Devin today. Like, hey. Why don't you guys come down to the Blake Street Tavern at around 8.30 tonight, and we'll debate this over some uh, drinks. That you'll pay for, because you have to. <laughs> yes. Even though, we, right. even though we take care of everyone else. Uh, but, yeah, so we'll continue to, uh, There's more to the list. drop the list, and I'm sure there'll be one or two that absolutely have people up in arms. Uh, like I said, I think the top three, can go, top three, top five really can go any way you put them. Uh, I think the number one is obvious. I mean, I'll just... Who do you have? Who would you have as near number one buff returning? Phil. Phil. That's ours. Like that's not a surprise. Like uh, without we a doubt. Spoiled number one. Well, <laughs> that's because like Phil's is going to be like this long. Like Phil is the greatest person ever. I just think ever. if no, no, if the number Phil one is no number surprise, one, then like, everyone would freak out because right. then they'd be maybe like, I oh, won't. This list you know, I'm going to change the list now. <laughs> Phil's not going to be number <laughs> this one. This list isn't real if Phil is a number Phil, one. Phil's after gonna be everything 10 tomorrow. he's Phil, done. Phil's going to go ten. I'm just going to put a zero next to his name. <laughs> Uh, by the way, I think it should just be the first time they give the Buffalo Heart Award at the beginning of the season. Just give it to Phil now. Like, yeah. we're, let's not waste <laughs> our time. That's a really good idea. Uh, that's going to wrap up this week's BSN Buffs podcast. Thanks for tuning in. She's Ali Monroy. He's Ryan Koningsberg. I am Jake Shapiro. Stay tuned to all of our content on bsnbuffs.com. Give us a like on Facebook. Give us a like on – follow us on Twitter. But you can give our tweets likes too, uh, whether that is uh, – me meaningful, ironic, passive-aggressive. We don't care. They all count the same at the end of the day. It's like an infield single or a single off the wall. It's still a single. Rank us so we can be mad. Japan Droids is playing at Blake. Oh, yeah. Tavern, so I got to listen to You this. should rank who you like the best. <laughs> we'll be back. Yeah, you can rank us. I don't care. <laughs> so I, I would be shocked on who wins that one. You're going to be one. I'm going to be last. Something tells me uh, I don't think so. Okay, well, rank <laughs> us. I don't care. Someone else at this table would probably win the fans' vote. And it got me all fired up. Stay tuned to all of our content. Hey, no, no, wait. Follow us on Instagram, too. Instagram. Oh, Instagram. That's the thing we're doing now. Uh, yes. Do that. BSM Buffs. See ya. Ah, mmm. The first taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on. That's nice. At Caskers.com, we make this experience easy. Caskers is a one-stop spirit curator with an impressive selection of exclusive sought-after rare and household names in the realm of premium spirits and champagne. Discover the top flavors of the year now by going to caskers.com and using code WELCOME10 for $10 off your first purchase. Get $10 off your first purchase with code WELCOME10 at caskers.com.